You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Philly gets back in the win column Taking on a team who had a new head coach winning 102-94 against the very lowly Sacramento Kings. Before we jump into that, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at LibertyBallers.com. One of the people behind the magic you see at LibertyBallers.com joining me pretty much almost, I would say, as always at this point, Jackson, <laughs> what's what's going on? Uh, I'm doing well. I I don't I, since I live on the West Coast, I don't mind these late games, but I do like to have a little bit of a little bit of rest later in the night. So I'm looking forward to having games end at 6:30 my time rather than uh, 9:30. But I I am doing well. I can't complain. Well, this was this was an interesting game for those who don't know. Tobias Harris uh, ended up being out. He's dealing with some hip soreness. We found out also Seth Curry out of this one. So you're looking at the Sixers lineup coming in. They basically played nine guys, Isaiah Joe, Charles Bassey, Paul Reed got a little bit of run in this one as well, but really a weird, weird game. Again, just with the flow of it, Alvin Gentry taking over as the interim head coach for the now departed Luke Walton in Sacramento. But you're looking at this game and, and it really, it came down to the fourth quarter. There was a stint there where Andre Drummond, who was a beast overall for the game, not in terms of on the rebounds, nine points, 23 boards, including seven on the offensive glass. But there was a stretch there where the Sixers were kind of hanging around. And I, and I was saying this to myself while I was watching the game. I'm like, just hang around, hang around, be around five, seven, going into the fourth, and then try and make a run against, obviously, a Sacramento team that isn't that good. But they needed some stops at the end, got a steal, a shot clock violation on back-to-back possessions, and then Andre Drummond was just a, a man possessed on the offensive rebounds, made some big plays down the stretch, collected a couple of offensive rebounds, made a big defensive one late as well, uh, and had a dunk on a dish from Shake that put the Sixers up by four with about 135 left. But you're looking at this one, Jackson. What was your feeling as we were getting into the fourth quarter? And did you think that the Sixers were going to be able to kind of make a run and at least steal this one? I I can't say I thought they were like I you know I didn't think they were going to get routed or anything but when it got to nine early in the fourth I was like all right like, you know they fought out and leap they're down you know four starters plus Ben Simmons what do you want to denote Ben Simmons as on this team uh you know that it's yeah, it's toward the end of a long road trip like you know lose by twelve that's what it, you know that's what happens and then the Kings could make a shot and the Sixers just cobbled together some buckets and some stops and. And then, you know, we shake Milton was awesome down the stretch. Um, it was really good to open the, open the game. And then it was really mm-hmm. good late. Um, and as you mentioned, Drummond was just incredible on the boards in, in defensively too. I mean, I think Drummond's been very good on defense most of the year, but this, this was kind of the most attentive and active. I think he's been in a couple of weeks. I don't think he's been bad. Like I think the offense has really been what's bogging him down, but um, was just really good on that. And then obviously Matisse, I mean, best game of the season for Matisse on both ends, I thought, um and so they just they just found a way which is such a cliche thing to say um but when you're when you're down your three best starters and you're the guy who's been carrying you offensively for a while and Tyrese Maxey's having his first you know 
poor scoring game in two weeks, uh, you usually don't win those games. And they, they figured out Sheik was awesome. Like I said, everyone, everyone I mentioned was kind of key in, in those efforts tonight. Yeah, they were down 90 to 85 with just over six minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter and then just put the clamps down on both ends. And, you know, you look at what the Sixers did in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Kings 25 to 12 and, and basically going on a 17-4 run to end the game. And we mentioned, you know, Andre Drummond's name a lot. You mentioned Shake Milton. Why do you think they were able to come back? Other than the fact that, let's be honest, the Kings stink. But other than that, why were they able to come back? And what do you what did you notice over the last six minutes of the game that that the Sixers were able to turn things around and get out of Sacramento with a win. I thought it was, I thought it was the defense. I thought, I thought Matisse and, and Drummond were really, really good on that end. Um, you know, per usual Matisse was guarding a bunch of different guys. Sometimes he was on De'Aaron Fox. Sometimes he was on Tyrese Halliburton had a really nice block or deflection. He, he altered a shot late from Brady healed on a three. Um, you know, those are kind of the, th- those guys were the ones that were really given the Sixers issues all night. Those three, um, Halbert didn't score, but he was awesome as a passer. I didn't even realize he didn't score. Until I just looked at the box score, but nine assists. Um, so that helped. I thought, you know, Drummond, uh, you know, at times, uh, Rashawn Holmes, you know, Tyrus Halbert and Rashawn Holmes had such a good dynamic in the pick and roll that was hurting them. And Drummond was really able to contain that action. Um, and so that, that was the key, uh, you know, Fox was, I think Fox, missed, I don't know how many shots he missed late, but, was off to a great start in that game. I think he was six of 10 and one of five on the stretch. So that helped a little bit, but um, it was just the defense. And then, you know, kind of coaxing Fox into poor decisions as a, as a shooter or scorer. Yeah. Watching that, the watching that Sacramento team, you know, looking at a few of the guys, like you mentioned, De'Aaron Fox who's in the first year of a five-year max extension that he signed. Uh, they got guys like Harrison Barnes, who again, solid player, maybe not worth his contract at this point. Rashawn Holmes looked good. Um, Buddy healed. Had 14 points in the fourth quarter. I saw you reference that on Twitter that this could be the Buddy Heald revenge game in the sense that you guys didn't trade for me and I want to be there. Uh, what do you think about looking if, and again, uh, this is not from any sort of reporting, this is just speculation, but when you're looking at it, seeing these guys properly now and seeing the Sixers play them, what do you think and, and how do you feel a young guy like Tyrese Halliburton who... Uh, surprisingly was held off the score sheet, ended up going over five, but he did have nine dimes in this one. And you're looking at Buddy Heald, as I mentioned, he did finish with 21 overall. How do you think when you're just watching those guys play, you know, seeing them against the Sixers, if that were to be an avenue that Daryl Morey and co kind of look at in terms of making a deal for Ben Simmons, how do you think those guys would fit on the Sixers when, when you're just kind of getting a, a close-up glimpse of them? I know you watch a ton of basketball, but just seeing them against the Sixers in this one. Yeah, I, I like the fits. I, what I've been, you know, I wasn't, I haven't been huge on Heald um, for for a lot. You know, he's always been kind of linked to the Sixers in some sense because he hasn't necessarily been, you know, fond of his current situation for a while. And the Sixers, you know, largely often needed shooting. They don't really need as much of that now after some of the moves that Maury's made over the last year plus. But um, what I've liked this year is he's, I think he's become more comfortable with the ball in his hands. I'm not someone you're going to ask to run 15 pick and rolls a game, but someone you can you know, come off a pin down and do a flow, no side pick and roll and get to his pull up. He's got such a quick trigger, has good size too. I think, you know, one of the things that limits Seth Curry, for instance, um, is his size at times, and, you know, buddy's buddy's bigger. And so I think if you get someone with a little, who has, who can shoot off the dribble and also be an off ball shooter, just like Seth, um, but has a little more size that would help there. I think his passing is a little better this year as well. Um, the Sixers obviously don't have a ton of great role men, so it's not, you know, as big a part of the game as it would be someone like Rashawn Holmes in Sacramento. But um, I like that a lot. I think, I think he's, he's been really impressive in, in that sense. And then, yeah, Halliburton is kind of in a lot of ways, a in archetype, I think the Sixers have needed that sort of linking player. Um, you know, I think the shooting they have now, but the passing is still pretty, 
below par for a playoff team, especially. And Halliburton is a very good passer. You, Sixers mm-hmm. fans and everyone and riders, whatever, saw it up close tonight. Had a bunch of really, really nice plays as a passer. So I, I like those guys a lot as, in terms of kind of slotting in as, as high-level role players or, high, or, you know, just good starters, one or two of them. So uh, I think I think it makes sense. I don't I don't think it's necessarily what may be based on reports about what Darren Moore is searching for is, is what he's looking for. Um, but, but I like the fit, and I think, you know, assuming the Sixers – look like they did before everyone got injured or, you know, unfortunately contracted COVID in a couple of instances. Uh, I think those two guys w- would kind of amplify this team considerably and, you know, maybe give them an, a legit chance to, to win it all this year, because it does feel really, really wide open across the NBA. Yeah. And that, that, I wanted to jump into that too, just looking around the landscape of the league, you know, like we're, we're basically a month into the season and I'm trying to look at this now, like you're going to start seeing a bunch of these teams start to kind of, come apart. I think the ones that are, and again, this is just the way it is. I, I believe coming into most NBA seasons, uh, most organizations are like, well, you know, we, we put together, unless you're the Houston Rockets or, you know, looking at a team like uh, OKC was actually doing better than expected, but Orlando, Detroit, these teams were like, okay, chances are they're not going to win too many games. They're in it to get hopefully a number one overall pick for their organizations. And then you have other teams who look at it and think, well, we were good enough to make a run uh, we'll see if we can sneak into the playoffs. And I think now, as we're coming up on the 20 game mark, you're going to start to see some squads like the Kings right now who are falling apart, who, regardless of of how bad they've been, haven't made the playoffs since 05-06. But you're looking at them and thinking, okay, they got De'Aaron Fox, they got some talent there. Maybe they'll they'll climb into a play-in position, and that's not working. So it'll be interesting to see which of these teams starts to maybe falter here and might look at making a deal. And obviously the Sixers have a guy available who's a three-time all-star, all-NBA defense talent. So we'll see what happens with that. I want to jump into a couple more things with you, Jackson. We'll do that after a short break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we're back. Uh, we're talking about the landscape uh, of the NBA there a little bit beforehand and, you know, talking about looking at Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Buddy Heald. I, I think Buddy would probably be better in a, in a bench role. And you look at maybe maybe starting Halliburton and taking Danny Green and putting him on the bench. I mean, again, this is just all speculation. But when you're looking around the league, Jackson, and you're a big NBA guy, is there any other team you're keeping an eye on that might be able to enter the Ben Simmons talk if things kind of go off the rails here in the next month or two? I don't know about if this team would necessarily classify as enter, but I but I wonder about like do do the Timberwolves start to you know get even even more aggressive? You know they were four and nine now they're now they're eight and nine they're playing a little better. The defense, I guess I, maybe because the defense looked so good for them, honestly maybe that's not the direction they go because you know 
they don't, maybe they don't need that, but I think Ben could still help them in, in a lot of respects. That's a team that I think makes sense. Obviously they've been linked. Um, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I don't think it's the, it's the case, but I wonder a team like Memphis that, you know, has a lot, it was, is nine and eight just had a nice one over the jazz um, this evening. Like, you know, they have a lot of guys who can play in rotation somewhere, but not enough spots for them right now. I wonder, you know, does Ben Simmons make some sense, especially because they hope that Jaron Jackson Jr. is their, is their center of the future. And obviously he's, a very good shooter um, right now. He's not someone you can tentatively play at the five all the time, just given some of his rebounding and foul concerns, but um, maybe they continue to play it for the future. So those are two teams that I think make some sense. Um, but I, but I can't think of anyone else off, you know, off the top, as you mentioned, we're kind of getting to that. I wouldn't say this is an inflection point by any means, but you're getting to a point where some teams are starting to realize, okay, maybe it's maybe, okay. We, we try to give it a run for 20 games, but we just don't have it. We're still young. Let's, let's kind of see if we can get another top four five, six pick. And then, and then regroup next season. So um, those are the other teams I think have always kind of made sense in some regard to, you know, the Ben Simmons situation, but Sacramento, I still think for me in terms of looking at it from what Sacramento has versus what the Sixers have in Ben Simmons, I think that's the, that's the best fit. But again, I don't, it seems like Darren Moore has his, his sights set higher. So it doesn't seem necessarily very uh, realistic at this stage. Well, when you're bringing it, bringing it back to what's going on with the Sixers, and again, you know, that eight and two start seems like a bit of a distant memory now at this point, especially losing uh, to the Knicks, Bucks, and, and Raptors the way they did before embarking on this six-game road trip. But you're looking at this now, two and three overall. I think, you know, winning this one in Sacramento, we talked about this last week after the Denver game, that if they can sneak at least one win here out of their next three, two and four, given the circumstances, not, not too bad. I think one and five, you would, again, I don't think there's, there obviously isn't a huge difference, but getting an extra win here, and the hope is that Joel Embiid will be back at least for the 27th game coming up on Saturday against Minnesota. But when you're looking at this squad right now, do you think they'll be able to be like, are they primed to go on a run in terms of once they get their guys back, get healthy? Because you're looking around the Eastern Conference, the Bucks, you know, getting Chris Middleton back. They're uh, on a roll right now. They've won four in a row. They're tied with the Sixers at 10 and eight. Boston starting to get their bodies getting healthy after some COVID stuff there. The Celtics have won three in a row. They're at 10 and eight. But when you're looking at the Sixers, you know, again, hopefully Joel's back. We get Tobias, Seth Curry, maybe on Wednesday against the Warriors. I wouldn't be surprised if they did set out and just said, let's get ready for when we get back home and get out of this uh, West Coast road trip as healthy, really relatively as we can be at this point. But when you're looking at this, do you think the Sixers will be able to get back to that level that they were playing at prior to all these the injuries and the COVID stuff going on? I really think it just, it just depends on Joel, right? I mean, you know, the open the year they were eight two, Joel was struggling a little bit offensively. Um, looked like he was turning the corner with that awesome game against the Bulls. It's obviously unfortunate in general that he contracted COVID, but it's even more unfortunate in that case because it feels like he was getting some rhythm as a scorer again. Um, but I think it comes down to him. Uh, you know, George Nye, is, he's still playing a key role, but he's come back to down to earth a little bit. Same with Seth Curry. Um, those are two guys that were really kind of helping fuel that great start offensively. Um, but it, it's all coming, it all comes back to Joel. If he, if he is kind of the level of scorer we saw last year, which I think he can be, um, I think this team's going to be really good, but they don't have like a super, you know, easy schedule. You know, you mentioned that Joel's maybe targeting that, that 27th game, the game on the 27th against the Wolves, and they come back to Philly as maybe the return. Um, I, I would know, I don't know if you've talked about it, but um, Doc said that he, uh, that Joel is practiced on Sunday and he got, he has had one negative COVID test and he's awaiting a second one. Doesn't mean he would play Wednesday since he's missed two and a half weeks now. Um, but you know, maybe a chance there. Things are trending upwards in that direction. But they come back, they put the Wolves. I think that's a game you should expect to win them. The Magic, 
but Boston on the road, Atlanta on the road, a couple of games on the road against Charlotte who's playing well right now, then Utah at home, Golden State at home. Um, that's not some, you know, it's not, it's not actually some, you know, easy, easy path. So um, I, I don't expect them to rattle off six in a row when Joel comes back, but I think they should look better. And, you know, given the way they played against some, you know, good teams you know, while very shorthanded, I think you can expect them to, to win some games, but I wouldn't expect some just, you know, monstrous winning streak that the Sixers have been prone to at times, uh, you know, over the last few seasons. When, when you're looking at this now, like we're 18 games in, again, hard to get a grasp on on everything with the Sixers, just given the fact that they've been missing so many guys. And I'm, I, I honestly want to give some credit to Doc Rivers too, you know, keeping these guys engaged, keeping them in it. And he's, you know, had his fair share of criticism over the years, obviously with the Sixers and even going back to his time with the Lob City Clippers, but I feel like he's done a really good job in terms of keeping the guys engaged, making some adjustments. Like in this, in the game against the Kings that we talked about in the first half of the pod, like the, the one they played on, on Monday evening, you're looking at this and you're like, okay, you know, how are they going to be able to, and even again, even though I've said this before, the Kings aren't a very good team, but looking at this, like, how are they going to do it? And they hung around, they hung around. What do you think of, of Doc's performance so far? And how do you think he's been able to manage all this so effectively, given all the craziness that's been going on around the team, really, since it lost to to the Hawks in June of, uh, of, of earlier this year uh, to the Hawks in game seven there? Yeah, I think, Doc, you know, it's funny because they're not funny. I guess it, just, it, it makes sense. Before the season, I was talking about the fact, I don't know if I was talking privately or publicly. Um, there are people who can corroborate. I promise I'm not just, trying to, <laughs> um, but I was talking about the fact that doc has a history of, you know, kind of, you know, maximizing undermanned rosters. You know, his best coaching job in recent years has been that year that he, he kind of took the Clippers to the playoffs where they put the Warriors and did Shea as a rookie, they did Danilo Gallinari. Um, that was a season. I think they traded Tobias Harris away. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Montrose Harrell, Patrick Beverly. He's, he's historically done better. Like he's a very good, I think, floor raising coach, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but rather than a ceiling raising coach as, you know, Sixers fans and Clippers fans have, have seen. Um, but he deserves a ton of credit. Like, I think, you know, he's, they, the coaches have itself is doing a good job of, you know, doing what they can defensively defense hasn't been great. They've been missing a lot of their best defenders. Uh, and obviously Ben's been out. Ben Simmons has been out the entire season. He's arguably he's one of their best defenders, one of the best friends in the league. Um, but the offense, I've been impressed. Like the the ball is moving, they're putting guys in proper roles for the most part. Um, I, I just, I just, he deserves a lot of credit. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that doesn't necessarily X's nose related. But um, these role players have become ready to play, and they they deserve the most credit for that. But the coaching staff deserves credit for constructing good game plans and schemes to match the personnel out there. So. Um, ton of credit to all of them led by doc, of course, but the entire coaching staff deserves credit for that as well. So I've been, I've been super impressed and that's, that's why this team is, is 10 and eight and squarely in the thick of the playoff race, despite, you know, having so many absences for the last, especially the last, what, three weeks, four weeks, I guess three weeks. It's only, the season's only yeah. four weeks old. So, um, yeah, I think doc deserves credit for that. And that's just kind of who doc's been. He's better, you know, he better when I wouldn't say when the, the odds are stacked against him, but when he kind of has to up the talent level rather than, you know, up the execution level. All right, Jackson, we'll wrap up on this. You're looking at this, as you mentioned, they're 10 and eight, 18 games and roughly almost at the, at the quota pole mark of the season. When you're looking at this team, and again, we don't know how it's going to look in February, given the fact that something could happen with Ben Simmons. Like, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen on that front. There could be a trade tomorrow. There could be a trade coming up 
uh, you know, before the deadline, there might not be a trade at all. But when you're looking at this squad, I think rebounding is is one thing you're looking at. Like, dude, you guys got to be better at, yeah. at, at at rebounding. You're looking at the Sixers um, in 29th, you know, coming into this one, or pardon me, at the, at the conclusion of this one against the Kings, uh, just barely ahead of the Detroit Pistons, who are 4-12. and 12. But what other aspects of their game do you think that the Sixers have to look at improving once they do get these guys back, once they do get healthy, that'll help them kind of take their game to another level? Yeah, so I think rebounding is obviously the big one. Um, I think the other thing that we've that's been a longstanding issue is they still need to figure out clutch time offense when they're all fully healthy. Um, you know, we saw it against the Nets. We we've seen it at other times this year when they've they still won games, but they've still kind of they had to saw it against the Bulls and, and at least one or one of their two wins against the Bulls. Um, so that's the other thing. And then I, I wonder when everyone's healthy, like how much can can Joel Embiid being a great defensive player and great defensive anchor and Danny Green being good and help and Tyrese Max doing it better and, and Matisse Seibel doing his thing, how much can that kind of mitigate the, the point of attack issues? Because, you know, even if I think, even because I believe Joel's you know, the superior defender to Ben, Ben still played a key role in then kind of making, like closing the space that ball handlers have to operate and he's not going to be there. Um, and so that's, that's the other thing I'm curious about is when everyone's back healthy, how much can the smart team defenders like Joel and Danny and then, you know, Matisse is good on the ball, but he's not going to be playing 34 minutes a night like the aforementioned guys might. Um, how much can they mitigate the absence of Ben Simmons? Because the defense hasn't been good this year. It was good tonight, but um, they're, as I said, they played a lowly Kings team. Again, the Sixers deserve credit because they're, if this was, if this was a team for an entire year, they would be described as lowly as well. Not any shot at this, the players themselves, but it's just the reality of things. Right. So yeah. they deserve credit for that, but, uh, would like to see kind of continued defensive growth uh, throughout the season and figure out how they they work around the absence of Ben Simmons. I haven't missed him offensively, but they definitely missed him on defense. All right, Jackson, I said that we're going to get you out of there, but I'll get you out of here <laughs> on this, actually. What do you think happens on Wednesday against Golden State? Oh, man, put me on the spot. I I, I think so. I don't think Joel's going to play. I think they're going to keep it, keep it conservative, not rushing back. Um, you know, he's obviously a guy who – making sure he is right in terms of conditioning and all that is, is very key for him. It's key for every player, but he's always, it's always in the you know, kind of a talking point for him. So I think that he won't come back. I imagine we get Tobias and Seth back, but I think, I think the Warriors will win pretty, pretty handily. Um, I think if these teams are both at full strength, uh, you know, like it, with clay, with clay included, um, it would be a really, really fun game. But I think, you know, the Sixers are just going to be at, at a deficit and the, the Warriors are clicking on both ends. They're so cohesive on, on uh, on defense and they move the ball so well, they, they figure out kind of how to balance, you know, getting Steph touch, getting Jordan pool touches and then moving the ball. So I expect Golden State to win handily, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers find, figure out a way to make this competitive because they've done that for almost every game this year, despite, you know, not having their full complement of players for, for much of the season. Yeah. If they can, if they can hang around, like I said, you know, just hang around and hopefully they get a big night from somebody like Andre Drummond, somebody like Tyrese Maxey, you mentioned again, still played pretty damn well. Hasn't, you know, didn't turn the ball over and considering how much he has the rock in his hands, that was impressive. So maybe hopefully the Sixers can, can hang around with the Warriors and maybe sneak out of there with a win and come back off this road trip three and three Jackson. want to thank you again for joining me as always. We'll be doing this at least once a week throughout the season. And uh, always good to talk hoops with you, my man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Happy to always, uh, always talk. Appreciate the opportunity. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Before I wrap up, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. On Tuesday, Adil will be back with an episode of Out of Sight. And on Wednesday, we'll have the recap between the Sixers and Warriors before we head into Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. 
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.